This is Alamo Anthem, where we, the overtaxed, remember our liberty. Direct from the forgotten countryside outside of Alamo City, San Antonio. So I'm reading here in the Divine News. Natalia ISD OK's contract with Education Consulting Company. What does that mean? Well, so apparently the Natalia ISD has hired a consulting company called Moak Casey to basically run, do what the board's supposed to do is what I got out of this article. It says here, the company's services include academics, assessments, accountability, school finance, economic development, legislative and strategic thought, design and continuous improvement services. And yeah, so they are trying to get Natalia to uh, pass those bonds and because that that's how they're going to get paid. Why is it hard for the Natalia school board or school district to pass the bond in the first place? 70% of their population is without school age children. Uh, so they don't want it. Right. They don't want, they won't want property so taxes hired, increased. Okay. So they've hired some other group from somewhere else uh-huh, it's called, to come in and talk these people into it somehow. Is that right? I guess. It's basically a consulting firm. I think what they do, it's called uh, Moak Casing, according to this article. How do you spell that? M-O-A-K and then Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, consulting. Um, So they contract with different school districts across the state. I don't know why. Probably to get them to help them pass bonds i that's okay, what so i here, think when you just google it and they come up on the top uh link it says specializing in high quality research and planning services for those concerned with the financial operation and management of public schools mm. so it sounds like a marketing type thing so they can get more people to vote for bonds right um i'm sure if you google on there the school bond in italia i i think they've been having a hard time passing the uh, school bond. It's a really small school district. There's only 1,273 students, and 120 are transfers. And I'm like, from where? Where are they transferring? I live in Divine. I don't think There's I would other transfer. Other little towns that are even smaller. Maybe it's just so small. I'm not against like school boards or cities or city councils or anything like that seeking information from like other sources to kind of like um like improve their cities or whatnot i I mean it makes a certain amount of sense but like like we were talking about with connor boyack right so he runs a political advocacy institute right and so they'll have like these are the different legislative bills that we you know like to get passed or whatever it sounds like this is kind of similar, except the difference is that it's like these are people that you hire um, to get certain stuff done. But it looks like, you know, you could potentially say, hey, um, we are not spending money efficiently. You know, like what can you do to help us like with our budget? And then they can go through and like, well, this is the way that it's the most efficient. So in principle, it's not necessarily, you know. A bad thing other than but to me what seems kind of nefarious about this situation is it's saying we're going to take taxpayers money and we're going to hire a consulting firm to then 
convince those taxpayers that they should um, pass higher taxes so that we can do the things that we want to do in our district. Well, I know Natalia ISD has been struggling financially for some time because I know they're down to four school day or four day school week, which in my opinion is awesome. Same. Even though I'm sure that there's parents who would prefer it not be that way. Yeah. It's still, I think far and away better for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking a few minutes ago and you're reading part of it about what they are. uh, The buses. Yeah, the buses, what okay. they plan to do, and then why they're, uh, how they put what it is that they're trying to do with the, they said they need to pull in the, the 70% or something like that. Yeah. How'd they word that? Uh, they said 70% of the population, this is a quote, quote, 70% of the population do not have school-aged children, he said. You have to find a way to pull them in, unquote. Hmm. You know, the, because Natalia is, I mean, there's just so many people who live on land. They're farmers or they're older and retired. I mean, these aren't like, this isn't a really wealthy area. No. And so the idea that they're trying to, you know, they're spending the money that they're already taking from people to find ways to convince them to give them more money when they're poor, especially, seems, uh, I don't know. I just hate it. Or even just, Or even just that they've done what they can to become self-sufficient. Right. I mean, you drive through there, there's the rural part of it. And it's like, you know, farm after farm, you don't know what's going on with those people, but they're just kind of, you know, they might be doing all right. They might be running a little successful farm. They might be having like a welding business or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it's this idea of coming in and being like, hey, we need some of your money. And it's like, hey, I'm just trying to live my life out in the country. Yeah. You know. Well, and then I know, and it well it drives me crazy that there's nowhere on earth within the borders of the United States. <laughs> okay, there's nowhere within the borders of the United States where you can go and just be let alone. Anywhere you go, it doesn't matter how remote and how far away the nearest school is. Uh, y- there are local school districts that are going to come for you and say, "You got to give us give give us some money. You have to, yep. or we take your house." And it's like. Can't we just live our lives somewhere? Is there nowhere we can go? But the entire United States is carved up into school districts all over. Here's what they're also doing in Natalia, which I'm like, (laughs) seems so out of touch. So California to me. But um, so they're trying to bring in these electric buses through the EPA's clean school bus program. And each one of these bus, they'll they're entitled according to this they can request i don't know who they request it from the district can request up to $340,000 maybe from the EPA i guess to yeah, purchase sure and some, maintain like elect- a grant maintain electric buses including charging stations if you guys know anything about natalia this is not at all like we just don't have electric car we have some we just don't have very many in right. places like natalia well, you know why? I mean, I'm sure there's many reasons. But one is, Natalia is very rural, and you have to drive long distances, and people haul stuff. That's right. None of that works with electric cars. That's true. I forgot. That's the main reason, is you need the... Because they're physically getting stuff done. They're not just zipping around to one fast food restaurant over to work that's five minutes away, and then yeah. back home for the evening where they enjoy it. I mean, that's not what these people are living their lives like. Yeah. It's... Well, and one of the things that... <laughs> This one board member, Fernando Garza, asked, like, what is the benefit of having these buses? <laughs> is it purely environmental? Which is a good question, I think. 
And uh, the response was, well, with gas at three fifty-five a gallon, each bus would cost about $5,000 in fuel to operate. And then he said, and then wear and tear. How right. much does it cost to replace those batteries when they fail? I know. Right. Well, so that's the thing. It's the maintenance. And, I mean, it's it's not like it's free to charge things. You know what I mean? And but, why was gas at that time when when this was, they had that interview, why was gas three fifty five a gallon? There is an answer, and it is state taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. State and federal taxes. So playing devil's advocate a little bit, you know, I, I think the argument for it is, well, the EPA has these grants available, obviously. And so we would be fools not to take them up on it because it's like money on the table. Like you hear this like all the time. But what I would say to that is just, A, that's how they get their hooks in you. You know, it's like now you're being regulated by the EPA, like as if you didn't have enough to worry about with your school district. Uh, but now and I'm sure that they'll do anything to keep the money coming once they get used to it. Mm-hmm. Anything the EPA says that they have to do or right. don't, you know. And then the other side of it is that um, then it's like you have to maintain it. What happens when those batteries go go down or whatever? I remember um, years ago, and this is probably still going on. This is not like in the news anymore. That there was a lot of these programs where the police were getting uh, like all this equipment from the military. And they were able to buy it for extremely, you know, cheap. Because it was their old stuff, right? Because it was their old stuff, yeah. And so this is when you started seeing, like, police stations having, like, armored vehicles or, like, helicopters or these, like, (laughs) boats and stuff. Your local friendly dare officer just uh, come up in a tank you know give you some you know friendly advice i dare you to do drugs grenade and machine gun <laughs> i mean let me just say this you know what we should do wait wait let me finish this point okay. real quick and but it's like it sounds like well why wouldn't you take that stuff right, right like yeah. it's free but then what do you hear every time it, it comes time to vote on taxes for the police station well we need this amount of money just to maintain the equipment we have mm. well but then now you have all this military grade equipment where you only have a few contractors if that uh, in the country that can give you replacement parts for them. And it's just... It's, Which probably it, lobbied for the whole situation to right. happen in the first place. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, that to maintain... It's like, well, what are we maintaining? Why is it important? Like, are people... are Is it making the police able to do their jobs better? Or is it just this fancy new equipment that they get to have? Yeah. You know what we should do with this? If they're asking for uh, contracting companies to come in and help them you know what you should offer as an alternative to the 70 percent that don't want to do that what's that vfd oh yeah (laughs) like create an alternative because i'm looking here and it says that they're falling below long-term academic goals in italia like significantly yeah. Like they're at Goldman. I wonder how they are compared to other schools. I'm going to tell I'm, you. I think that the whole entire country is falling far below, but yeah. Okay. Going. So it says here, um, Amanda Lopez, executive director for curriculum instruction, gave a progress report um, indicating the district's first grade students continue to fall below long-term academic goals set by the district in 2021. The goal mandates that the percentage of first grade students at or above level increase from 47% to 67% by August of 2025. In August of 2022, the goal for grade level fluency was set at 52%. The actual amount achieved stands at 
In August 2023, the goal was raised to 57%. Actual grade level fluency stood at 41%. Uh, Norma Friddle, District Executive Director for Finance, reported that the district achieved a perfect 100 score under the TEA Financial Integrity Rating System of Texas. Okay. That's the Texas uh, Education Agency, TEA. Right. But so they're saying it's you got 100 on their financial situation, and they're asking for this uh, contracting company to come help them with their finances? Right. Yeah. Anyway, wouldn't it be nice to have the vouchers? So you could take your money. Yeah. Even then, give it as long as there's no strings attached. Yeah. Even then, there's going to be certain strings attached. I mean, it, it, the way that they pitch it is that it sounds a lot like HSA money. So, and it all depends yeah, on. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of times it's like, I don't know, you just submit a receipt saying this is, this was for an, uh, uh, an expense, um, medical, expense. a healthcare expense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's such of, a broad definition, yeah, too. It's yeah. like glasses, dentists. Right. But really, even... Now it's counseling services. There's so many things that yeah. could count. And, I mean, expenses. even then, like, you could uh, you could do it in such a way... Like, let's say they were like, we will never reimburse something like VFD uh, with education money. It's let's, too bad. Let's you... say that they did that. You could still be like, well, we're going to buy these education materials. And then... Homeschool them yourself. And then VFD, and then give them to VFD to use, right? Yeah. So it's like, we're going to buy this program, and then VFD is going to run it for us. But we're paying them to run it for us, or something like that. Like, there's ways that you could still, like, be able to pay for your, you know, I would think. You probably, you, I don't know if you'd be able to, like, use the full amount that you're entitled to, but. What it would be cool is if it actually was, like, let the numbers mm-hmm. speak. You know, yeah, where you could be challenged. Like, let's see if you guys can get the numbers up. Right. Let's see if you guys can get first graders to read. Okay, challenge accepted. Or let's see if you had their math skills. Or, you know what I mean? Like, if that was the incentive was, you know, they give anybody, you know, they yeah. kind of experiment with it. Do fifty percent in the system, fifty percent out, yeah. and see who does better. You know? I think that that is like actually, um, you know, for people that support the voucher initiative that that is like potentially one way to kind of advocate for it because what we keep on hearing is that oh rural republicans don't like it because they're you know like natalia right like they already have trouble with their school systems and this will just like less money will go to natalia's school system because of it that's the that's the talking point, right? I don't agree with everything that they're saying. But it's a fallacy. But... It's a fallacy. But let's say like you're like, okay, well, just so you know, residents of Natalia and representative that covers Natalia, uh, if this voucher system existed to like in the next few months after that, I will create a school that could accept vouchers and this is the way that we would do it and they would have this option. You know what I mean? And then really let people know that no, these options would come to you if uh, there wasn't a monopoly system um, of education. Yeah, the other thing too is in this new age that we're in, uh, post-industrial revolution, this whole school system that is conventional is predicated on the idea that every kid learns the same way. Yeah. And we all know that's not true. I mean, it's like factual. 
Some people do not do well in a system like that where they sit for eight hours a day in front of, you know, they should have options. Right. We are, so I want to read a quote right here that I just read in the Texas State Teachers Association slash National Education Association. It's their magazine called The Advocate. And there's this article in here about vouchers. And it says, as long as the governor keeps wasting millions of tax dollars on voucher special sessions, TT or TSTA will continue fighting back because vouchers would be even more wasteful. Uh, Texas taxpayers and their public schools can't afford them, referring to vouchers. We will oppose any bill in a new session that includes a voucher program. So I guess I just want to point out this part. I mean, talk about this a little bit where she said Texas taxpayers and their public schools can't afford them. Afford the vouchers? Yeah. I mean, first of all, the public schools aren't paying. They're getting paid. And it just made me think back to something you said. I think it was on a different episode, Joe, where you were talking about how the point of all of this isn't public schools. The point is children's education. But you can see on this that from everything they're saying, that is not their top priority. It's like, no, you're taking money away from the public school system. And like everything that they say in here, like here's another quote, just a little bit further down in the article. She says uh, that he didn't make this a priority in one of the earlier sessions because then and now he's just trying to please wealthy campaign donors who want to privatize public education. And she's saying this as though it's a given that that's very, you know, that's like, like bad, right? Not well, something and I'm we like, want. I'm not a fancy, wealthy campaign donor and right. I want vouchers. Right. There's more right. than just wealthy campaign donors that want the vouchers yeah. there are I people mean, that want the it's freedom. class warfare well and just the way that it's being stated as though is as though it's an obvious given that that's like an evil endeavor to want to privatize the public school system right and but the only way that that could possibly make sense is if what you care about most is the public school system not the education of the children right so a really good follow on x or other social media is uh cory deangelis and he's just a rock star when it comes to this sort of thing uh where he what he does is anytime a politician comes out against school choice initiatives he goes and finds that either they or their kids went to private school <laughs> and so he's like basically says so you want everyone else to go to public school without any choice to it but you want your kids to be able to go to private school you know so it's like we know people who were part of the administration in the local school district. And uh, I think that they, it was like a little bit of a, a battle that they had with themselves as to whether they, they wanted to have their kids in the public school system or they wanted to homeschool or do some mm-hmm. other private school. Because I think that, you know, their mom really liked the private school option. And I'm not sure if she really contemplated homeschooling or not, but she, you know, saw it and probably saw some good things about it. But like with, uh, you know, with their dad being a school administrator, it was like, no way, we can't, we can't be one of those people because right. I mean, I Looks think just bad. yeah, because yeah. they know that that's happened. It's like that's a sore spot. Right. Yep. Um, the other thing I was going to say though about Corey DeAngelis is that you know a point. I'm looking it up right now. <clears throat> he's got some good posts on. Oh X. man, he's 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 great. But the point that he makes and he's correct about is that the way that. You know, these advocacy groups or just the people in the public education system look at it, these public teachers unions, 
is that they are entitled to 100% of the education dollars. And that if they don't get, if they get anything less than 100% of money that's set aside for education, then it's being taken from them. That is their mindset. Yeah. Right. It'd be like if someone continually robbed you every day and then you're like, you found a way to keep a little bit more of your money and then they claim you of robbing them. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what it feels like. It's a... Uh, like, no, it is that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's the way that people talk about. Um, that's the way that people talk about like tax evasion. You know, yeah. where it's like you're the thief. You're, it's like he doesn't even pay all of his taxes. It's like, well, good on him. You know. <laughs> um, the we all know thing, who we're talking about. <laughs> I had one other thing I kind of wanted to talk about that I saw in the in that Texas Teachers Association magazine, which is just how like. You can see, so there's this article, it's entitled, Sex Education Law and Curriculum Standards Improved. Still much room uh, much room for improvement. And if By you, their definition of improved or ours? Right, obviously. I don't even need to answer that question. But as you look, at, as you read the article, you can just see like all these parts in there that show that they have to be sneaky in order to get what they want. So I'll give you an example right here. The one thing that really stood out to me is what they call this education, which they're calling like improved, right, is abstinence plus education. That's what they call it. They leave and out then, the rest. What's yeah. the plus? Yeah, don't worry about the plus. Just the abstinence. Just, That's just all that. you care about. You know right. And they even have a picture in there. Um, let me find it here. They've got a picture and they've got like all these little pamphlets, like a collage of, of pamphlets mm -hmm. on a table. And all of them have the word abstinence on them. Like all over. Well, as dive well, that's in. What, what it, else is in there? Does it say? Uh, in that it only barely does towards the end of it. It says, hold on. It All it says is this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just read one recent, right now. Recent public opinion. Hold on. We'll get to it in a second. Recent public opinion supports high quality sex ed for all students, including teaching the concept of consent and respecting personal boundaries set by other people for their bodies. SBOE. Updates to the health TEKS will whatever I don't know what all the I have to figure out their acronyms will provide better sex education for some Texas students, but Texas law still leaves um, too many students without access. TSTA, informed by research and best practice, will continue to advocate for mandatory inclusive abstinence plus sex education for adolescents. So no, they don't tell you, but they kind of hint at it just a little bit. Right? You well, use the I'm word looking inclusive. at the back here, just yeah. the picture, and one of the pamphlets says abstinence and HIV. Right? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I saw like, that. How about abstinence? Are they getting it from needles <laughs> or HIV? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not and HIV or or yeah. Well, it's funny, just the whole idea of saying abstinence plus because abstinence is a binary. You know, it's either you're abstinent or you're not. So you know what I mean. <laughs> like, so it's like saying like um, dead or more than dead. Well, and then you have to look closely, but on the bottom of the bo bottom left corner of these pamphlet, you see a little Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Yeah, there she is herself. Icon. The famous racist Margaret Sanger. Sanger right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, I just, it's like, if, even if you knew nothing else about it, it's just the fact that they, like, y if you were just to look at this and you're like, oh, what do they mean by improved? And it's like, what, did they just start teaching about abstinence? Well, this is, no. I mean, if you see. That's like the oldest doctrine, you know what I mean, about it in the world since it's been in public schools at all. 
So what do they mean? It's oh, it's just the, the plus. That's the new part. Yeah. Well, they the don't plus, tell you. I think the plus is, if looks at this headline, at the bottom of the article, it says, TEKS standards do not include the concept of consent nor language acknowledging LGBTQ plus students. I see. So no, that's the plus. That's, the that's plus. where it is. Yeah. I would so, say that abstinence has been around <laughs> since right before. Adam and Eve. Since right before the oldest profession. Maybe you know what that is? Prostitution. No. Prostitution. Uh, those profession. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, sorry, did you want to? I, I just have one other thing I wanted to say yeah. about it. Just that um, continually we ask ourselves why they they are so bent on bringing in these ideas that, like, most people are not on board with. Maybe eventually through enough brainwashing and, you know, just, like, bullying in general people do get on board with it but that's not how we start out and that's not Mm. how most people are still and i think the reason is is because they get money from far away organizations just like we were just talking about with the natalia school district stuff with their they want their electric buses and they want to get all these poor farmers on board right exactly it's the same thing there's far away institutions with other purposes in mind Mm -hmm. dangling money in front of them and the people running the school districts, it's worth, like, they'll do anything for the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Are they just, like, w- I don't know if they're just willfully blind to mm-hmm. the strings attached or if they literally don't know. Or I think <clears throat> I was having this conversation with my sister who is, we've talked about her before. She's on the school board in Utah. And we've gone back and forth about what came first, you know, the... The sorry. abstinence or the plus. <laughs> And what we've come up with is it's our fault. We are to blame. We have handed over so much to the schools by being apathetic and uninvolved out of convenience. Yeah. I mean, it started by, you know, compulsory education, making kids go to school. Women left the home. Now it's like we don't have time to to be involved in our kids' education. You do it. Well, it's you also, just do it. It's, a, it's also like a misplaced trust, right? Where, and I think that over time, you know, when, you know, you think of the old schoolhouse or whatever, and it's like, well, everybody, like the town comes together and they hire a teacher and then they're, right. they're, they're teaching their kids and it's like, oh, great, we're all happy with this situation. And as time moves forward, you kind of have an assumption that, they're on your side, you know, that they have your best interests at heart. They want to teach children. That's what they love to do. And so then it's like, oh, well, I could trust this institution. And I think over the last few years, we've had a huge wake up call. Like everybody, like so many people have become red pilled to this idea that, oh, like these agencies, this board of experts or you know, all these different groups, they don't have our best interests in mind. They have their own interests. And when they say, well, just trust the experts, like you can't do this yourself. You can't educate your kids yourself. You need a professional to do that or whatever. It's like people have been, I think partially, not just like brainwashed or because it's what they grown up with, but I think it's, it's from goodwill. You know, they can't imagine that people would be using them and their kids for nefarious reasons uh the way in which they do mm-hmm. yeah i think every i'm mean, going back to what you were just saying a minute ago michelle about your conversation with your sister that it's our fault because 
what happens is people get a certain lifestyle and then they get locked into it. And I think anytime there's paychecks involved, where it's a steady flow of income, it's so hard to get people to, uh, to put any, you know, do anything that's going to risk that. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with the school districts, why they won't undo themselves and shrink back down, despite the fact that they're pushing, you know, poor people out of their own houses and stuff like that. It's yeah. because people are not going to risk their paychecks, even if all it is, is like, well, all you have to do is just go find another job. Yeah. You know, people won't like they just hate it. They won't yeah. do it and they won't see and the they, reality of what that really is. The other way is so incentivized. Right. You know? Yeah. Because you also have everybody seemingly, especially with your, when you're in that system, it's like a social network. And yeah. so everyone around you is like in support of that idea and on board and they're like a team. Yeah. You know? And you support each other and I know everything. how that is. I mean, I was, when I started homeschooling back in Virginia, I, f- I had a few friends that homeschooled, but I felt like I was somewhat of an outcast like a weirdo i was a weirdo but i'm so okay I'm... with being a i know i <laughs> so i've heard and i continue to hear but i mean you don't really no i do i hear that all the time that i'm odd i'm different i'm weird i'm From where <laughs> who lots of who's people. saying these things to you <laughs> old friends they love me but they do think i'm weird yeah and I get called, that's uh, just the way it is because i, I get do think radical for my friends i come yeah and then even just uh you just interpreted the 80s way what radical oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah man i'm radical right um but i don't know even just like a good mutual friend of ours like I, i'll talk to him about something he's like oh you know that's what i really like about you and emily is just like you always have a just a really different perspective that i wouldn't have thought about. <laughs> no <laughs> like, i do that's, that's why nice way to say it i guess <laughs> that's why i hang out with you guys because you always make me think of things differently Hopefully, I do Wherever the same you are, for we're you. Push you but further. maybe not. Maybe mine's too like simplistic and like I don't know what's the word. It's very simple. Conventional. <laughs> I, I like things simple. You I don't like, like to it. push. You push towards more radical ideas, more conspiracies, fun stuff. I do do that a little bit it's more fun. than you guys do. Do we have any culture stuff today? Well, wait. What, what were we just talking about? I feel like it wasn't Weirdos? wrapped up. No, no, no. The... Before that uh abstinence plus so you mentioned uh planned parenthood on there and i feel like i have to talk about this because it is so integral to this idea of sex education and so it's like what's the draw for planned parenthood to get involved in this right and so no bones about it planned parenthood is a business right and so why would they be going out of their way to produce pamphlets and education materials go into the classrooms in certain Recruiting. cases recruitment and, right and so it's like we watched the movie unplanned uh with uh it was the abby story johnson. abby johnson yeah. <laughs> but um, before watching the movie just listen to interviews that right. she did about it uh, yeah she, before they even made it she has a really big interview on the blaze i think that was probably her longest that i know of at least um but lots of interviews and um one of the things that she talks about is that there's like two reasons for it. One is she feels like it's clear, like grooming that you're going into the schools and you're talking about all this sexual stuff that is like, you're normalizing it. You know, you're normalizing the idea of pornography and masturbation and, uh, just different sexual practices that are different. And what, you know, a lot of people would say, which what I would agree with is, is like deviant. And, so that in and of itself is a form of groom- grooming. You know, you're well, changing the minds of young people to accept 
sexual practices that they would not otherwise feel comfortable with. She was saying that a, a typical thing that they do when they go into a classroom is they go in there and they just, uh, just to loosen everybody up, you know, as part of the beginning of the grooming process, is they just have them throw out as many different words as they can think of for sex and they just write them on the board. They're like, don't worry, this is a safe place. You can say whatever. Right. And so at first people are really timid and then eventually they're like, ha, ah, you know, and they start like just saying whatever crazy things they can, you know, just all the words for it, right? And they put them all up there and then and then the kids do feel like, wow, like there are no rules, you know? Yeah. And then they like, then nothing they're groomed sacred. and then they start, yeah, yeah nothing sacred. And then yeah. they just go into and- how how... They can tell them when they're pregnant, but they can't tell their parents. Exactly. So it's, and the, again, that's like classic grooming behavior, right? Where it's like, uh, we're going to have our secrets, right? No adult should ever have a secret with a child like that is not like their child, you know? Like they should never have anything that the parent doesn't know or can't know or whatever, or it's that you encourage them. It's a crazy predatory thing It is to do. predatory. Yeah, it, it is exactly that. So are you saying that Planned Parenthood is predatory? Absolutely. And the, I mean, they definitely have predatory practices. And then the second thing, that, at least that I could remember of this uh, kind of tactic they have, is so A is the grooming, and then B is that um, they right away, it's like they make it clear and they tell them like, if you need free birth control, just come to Planned Parenthood. You don't need to tell your parents. You don't need a prescription or anything like that. We'll come in. We have our own doctors. And you can have a free uh, consultation. And then you'll get free birth control. But the thing about the birth control, the pill, right, which is what they're talking about, is that it is the least effective form of birth control because uh, you only have to miss a day. And then it's like you can get pregnant. And then so you're putting the... so. You're, you're filling these young girls with this idea that, oh, you're protected. Like, you're not going to get pregnant if you do this. And so then they feel like, you know, they can do whatever they want. But they know, I mean, even adult women that have their stuff together miss taking the pill every once in a while, you know? And so it's like, it's a sure, it's a sure thing. And especially the younger you start them, that a young girl will forget at some point and then, you know, over however many years that they're, you know, quote unquote, sexually active, that something's going to happen. Well, the business plan, as Abby Johnson was saying, is to make sure or to try and get at least, I think she said three abortions out of every girl. Yeah, before so they want 30s. one before they've graduated high school, another in their 20s and another in their 30s. Whoa. Yeah, I thought it was before they were 30, but but yeah. That that's like, and so it, it's basically they're creating, the, they're trying to create the demand. So Abby Jan- Johnson, we didn't explain this. Uh, she used to work for Planned Parenthood. She was like a regional manager, not assistant to the regional. No, she was like a regional. <laughs> I think it was in Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so she like, she got really into the business of it. You know, like she knew like, okay, we have these project pro- uh, projections. We have these sales goals. Um, like, oh, we're going to be able to do this different procedure, like one minute faster than, you know, we were previously able to do it. That's going to make us this much extra money or whatever. I want to just interject right there. The way that they would, one of the ways that they would make it faster so that they could have an abortion like every four minutes or something like that was to do the abortions without ultrasounds because that just takes a little bit more time. But the, that's more the, dangerous. But it is far more dangerous to be prodding around in somebody's uterus without any uh, picture, without any yeah. 
what's it called imaging right right and so but that's a risk that they of course are willing to take and they don't explain any of it to the girls either this right. is what i don't like about public school i've had a hard time with this because as someone who pays into the system i pay taxes my ethical views or religious views or my belief systems do not they're align not, with Planned Parenthood. They're not represented. They're not the represented. And it's like, I thought we weren't supposed to cater to s- certain institutions, religions, or any kind of... Right. It's the First Amendment. Yeah. And so it's like, I feel much like a person might feel that was atheist in a religious school. That's how I feel when my right. kids go to public school. I don't feel yeah. represented. My views aren't represented. Yeah. And I feel like... My tax money goes there regardless if I believe in it or not. And that's where it's like, I just feel like ethically having Planned Parenthood in our school system, how did that even happen? Should not even be in there. I mean, again, it's like this free, like, here, we'll, they told us gi- we'll back give you in a the curriculum. Day, we'll give you free whatever. They you know? told us, they sold abortion to us back in the 1970s when they passed it. They said that tax money would not go to yeah. abortions it's whatever their version then was of electric buses now <laughs> right. i'm not joking i know yeah. you know yeah yeah and then the you know they had that tagline like safe legal and rare but how long did that last right before it's like what was it safe legal and rare was like what now the, it's not rare right obviously Nor is it safe from what you just said yeah. never has been and never now it's been. not even legal <laughs> that depends on where you are but mostly it is yeah not in texas right yeah after the heartbeat right yeah the deal in texas right now they gotta go now they gotta leave the state but somehow is that that was in texas with those pamphlets right this is somehow planned parenthood manages to stay in our schools and who knows maybe that was a stock photo or something like that but well maybe not because they're talking about all the abstinence so yeah it's just that's it goes back to the same thing michelle that you were talking about how like we let this happen and it's this idea of just trusting the experts you know just like well whatever whatever you need to do you know go ahead and do it right so it seems to me like the the recipe is the experts have to seem authoritative and official they lie and then someone who has the ability to make the decision there has to be a paycheck and I think if you have those three things, they're not necessarily the same person as this, you know, organization that comes in and does the lying and seems super official, right? But there, but you have that that all those ingredients, and then that's how this stuff happens: yeah. paychecks, lying, and um, the stamp of authority. You know, it's um, it reminds me of there's a like an economic principle, or I don't know. There's at least I guess it's a, a kind of a famous analogy. Um, and it's about bootleg, what is it? Um, Baptists and bootleggers. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Baptists and bootleggers. And so the, the idea is that you get these weird alliances, uh, that will come together in favor of something. And so with the Baptists and bootleggers example, what you have is making alcohol illegal to sell on Sundays, right? Because the Baptists like that because they're like, yeah, that's the devil's drink. Like, we don't want people going to bars on Sunday and all this stuff. And then bootleggers like it because Sunday rolls around, people need their fix. And so the bootleggers are going to make a lot of money. (laughs) And so both of these groups, they go to the government and they say, make this a law. 
right? And they have their they each have their own thing that they are gaining from it, right? But they're using the power of the government in order to make those gains, you know? And that's why and you get these crazy alliances that happen. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet that in some of those scenarios, some of those Baptists, not all of them, but some of them, their brother is the bootlegger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. What's that joke? Uh, how do you keep a Baptist from drinking all your beer when you go fishing? It's like, take two Baptists with you. <laughs> 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 we want to drink around each other. <laughs> no hate on Baptists. I don't even know if I've ever really met many Baptists. I think it's just a joke out there. Yeah. But... All right. Any culture, pop culture stuff today? I have a topic. Um, so did you guys see this thing where uh, Elon Musk told uh, the <laughs> the companies that were boycotting the advertisers to go Disney? After, well, so not just enjoyable. Disney, but all of them to go F themselves. <laughs> Say, if you're going to blackmail me, you can blackmail me with money. Go F yourselves. Yeah. I, I'm somewhat I mean, envious. He didn't say F. So you repeated he said the it word. Like three times, but with like, like slower. Go sure. oh, yeah. <laughs> I did see that. I think um, I like, think we're all sort of jealous and then he, that he, he has waved. that money that he can be able to do that. Well, you know what they That's call what that. That's the money wants. to have the balls. Yeah, because if you have that money, it, you know, you're kind of above. Well, it's there's a name for it. It's called F you money. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what Scott Someday. Adams has. Yeah, right. uh, but he even like waved because Bob Iger, the president of or CEO or whatever of, of Disney, was in the audience, and he's like, "Oh, he Hi, was. Bob. Yeah. He was. I didn't know yeah. that because he had did an interview earlier in the day. It was this big long thing, you know. They're doing all these things. <laughs> Hi, Bob. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I you... like also that he said afterwards. You know, when the guy kept on asking him like the same question it seemed like he, over he tried to give him an out ways. oh I know. right and the elon musk just said you know well okay then if they do that then maybe the company will fail and then we'll just let the chips fall where they may yeah, yeah. everyone and, will know yep i really really like that if it's like because essentially in my mind what he's saying is in part at least is if you're gonna do dirty things like that then uh at least the truth will become more clear and that it would be worth it to him you know what I mean? For like, he would champion truth over the money. Yeah. Over, I mean, how much did he buy it for? What was it like? Forty-four million or billion? billion? Forty-four. Yeah. I can't even comprehend yeah. these things. Forty-four billion dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's like, well, if it's free speech, then yeah, it's worth yeah. it. I mean, that's called pr- principle. Man. Yeah. That that's why I say it would be great to have someone like him in a in a situation like Texas. Yeah. Well, for him to be president of. Texas, like, would that that be allowed since he's from South Africa? He'd be our first true African American president. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I think it should be. Well, wouldn't it be this? Because when the founders created that, it was whoever was starting that point American. Yeah, yeah. I think so. That would be be the same situation. Starting that. Starting (laughs) now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's obvious though that he is uh, committed to. The free speech aspect of it. Like, he doesn't need that money. Like, he doesn't need Twitter to be making money for him. You know what I mean? He, he's projected to be the world's first trillionaire. That's a thousand billions. Is he still you know the wealthiest I mean? or who's wealthier? Bezos? Jeff Bezos. I remember now what I was going to say that I uh, kept on wanting to make this not funny joke over and over again a few years ago, which was instead of Obi Wan, you're our only hope, it was the Elon Musk, you're our only hope, mm. when he had Starlink. When he had started that. Right. Because I remember coming to the conclusion like, dang, 
if all the internet companies are and all the big tech companies are captured, then what are we going to do? Like, the, yeah. what do you? What can you Help do me, then Elon after Musk. that? You're my only hope. <laughs> well, it's right, funny. but then he came out with Starlink, and I was like, <gasps> you know. Yeah. And then he kept on doing like one awesome thing after another, like when he'd go on, the, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast or all these other places, and the things that he's doing, and and then bought Twitter so that there could be free speech. It's not yeah. like it was a great, you know, money maker for no, him or Twitter's something. Twitter's never been a great money maker. Right. It doesn't really. Well, it doesn't I produce. Think I think uh, that they made a lot of money. I think it was questionable. I think and all that yeah, I think it was questionable how they were making money. I mean, employees there, they would, you know, they'd take payoffs like ten, fifteen thousand dollars. People would pay them directly to get verified. It was just a pay-to-play situation. What do you mean to get verified? Well, you know how like there's like the blue check mark, right? So that's like shows that you're a verified. Not a bot. Yeah, not a bot. But what it became, what the verification system became in the old regime of Twitter is like, basically like you had you had more clout, right? Oh. And so automatically all journalists were blue check mark. You know, all politicians were blue check mark, but they didn't have to pay for it. I mean, that's just, that's just automatic. But if, if you wanted to get verified and you're saying, hey, look, I wrote these books. I have this podcast. Um, like I have these TV appearances yeah. or whatever. It'd be like, you need to verify me because I'm like a public figure. Because yeah. that was the whole thing, like whether you're a public figure or not. Because right, there's right. so many fake accounts and it yeah. was like having a verified account right. was like you, but, the real deal. Right. But it wasn't just that. It was like... Oh, this is a blue check mark saying this. Like yeah. you, your your interface to Twitter is different if you have a blue check mark, you know. Yeah. And like your Do comments you go to the top. I've thought about getting it since he told Bob Iger to go f himself. Because <laughs> I was like, well, the model now is that you pay a subscription fee to be verified. Okay. You know? and, and you're so, like, hey, maybe it's worth the subscription. To have well, that. because to support the company. Because I think maybe that, we should start our own. Twitter account. I think we should. Account, yeah, I think for we should. Alabantham. Can I tell you one story real quick? And also quit our Disney account. But yeah. Yeah. I don't even have Disney. I think I bum off you guys. Oops. <laughs> Oops. I don't know what you're talking no, I about. No idea. <laughs> um, my my one of my favorite stories of being on Twitter before the big exodus. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. The exodus of 2020 from Twitter. I um, I was on there a lot, and there were tons of bots. Still. And are. I remember. Like commenting on some Chinese article. Oh, yeah, that's right. I posted some article or somebody else did. No, I did. I posted. I had quite a few followers. I had like 400. Not bad for Twitter, you know. And none of them were, by the way, none of them were people I knew. So that's something, right? I mean, it wasn't thousands. But anyway, I posted an article about China and how their COVID rates were low and I said, isn't it interesting how China just miraculously, their rates are staying the same. They haven't increased like ours have been. And ours are just, you know, exponentially exploding here in the U.S. I'm like, okay, sounds like propaganda mm-hmm. in China. And then some bot comments on my article, they're like, uh, no, it is true. We are managing are the COVID blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you sound like a China bot. <laughs> That's what I said. Sounds like a, <laughs> spoken like a true China bot or something like that. And they go, and then their response was, you Trump bot. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, these days, like AI has gotten so good that it's like, you don't know like how much of just the comment sections of anything is just bots talking to each other. Well, you know. I'm not sure these were actual bots. 
Right. I think there were bots in their yeah. own, you know, like yeah, like they're paid Chinese people to sit yeah. and comment because I've seen that too. They have like a bunch of I, yeah. phones that they make accounts with, and they would like go through. It, and, even like, the try UK to push. does that. Like they have like they hire people to go like correct misinformation on social Quote, media. Unquote, misinformation, yeah. right. right? So it's like anyway, it's it's all. I love the misinformation. Dystopian. That's such a funny term to me. Like, who gets to decide misinformation? Right. right. And what's the difference between miss and dis? Yeah. I think. Yeah. That, what is the difference? I don't know. It's all made up. I'll tell you the difference. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Disinformation, I believe, is information that you know is wrong, that you're pushing out there for like some nefarious purpose. Misinformation is information that maybe you don't know that it's wrong, but it is wrong. And you're spreading it without knowing whether exactly. or not it's right. So the the powers that be are putting out disinformation. Yeah. Do you know and what? the rest of us are putting out truth. Yeah. Do you know what I heard <laughs> recently? And then all the in-between people are spreading the disinformation as misinformation. Yeah, there it is. Um, lately, so we, we've talked about the media like being called different things like the corporate media. Well, maybe not on this podcast, but... You know, some people think it's better to, instead of saying mainstream media, to say corporate media, right? Because they're corporatized or the cathedral um, because it's religion. But I think we're also at a point where maybe it would be accurate to just call it the government media. Well, so that's the thing. The most recent one that I heard was the the Mockingbird media, which I think is great because like Project Mockingbird, right? The yeah. CIA thing yeah. where it's like you put out information and it comes back to you and like you see what it's like, you mm-hmm. know, so... And it's not a secret that the different, you know, FBI, CIA, they disseminate information through these things. Because a lot of times it'll just say like a government source or whatever. And then news agencies like it because, you know, they have this close source and they just they trust it because it seems like they're telling the truth. And then if you don't treat it with kid gloves, then you don't get that source anymore. Somebody else does. What did you say with kid gloves? Kid gloves, yeah. What does that mean? Meaning like you don't say, well, we got this source that said this, but here are the reasons why they might be lying to us or something. So they'll, they'll treat it more favorably, like as like a, a source to be trusted and they'll push it along. So what well, the thing that I think is like Elon Musk isn't perfect. No one is. And even Twitter's not perfect. The X is not perfect with free speech and all these things. But... The fact that he released the Twitter files is just, I, I don't know like what he could have done that was possibly better after buying X to just show like, this is what was going on. There were these people from the government saying, hey, just so you know, this is like a false story or hey, um, make sure just so you know, if you uh, don't clamp down on misinformation, then you could be held liable and like all these things. And they just, they basically had a desk at Twitter to tell them what could and couldn't be said and, and that sort of thing. So even just doing that is just, is just a huge thing. Like, it's like Trump putting people on the Supreme Court. Like, if nothing else, there's that at least, and it's worth everything, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's all like, it doesn't matter. It makes me so mad because the damage is done. Even if he did release the Twitter files, the damage was done because nobody is no. There's very few people that actually research things, and so they wouldn't even take the time to read the Twitter files anyway. So yeah. it's just the media knows this and they use that, and damage is done. So yeah, when when and if they ever do admit they important won't. truths, actually, it's they always have. after 
when it doesn't make much of a difference. Yeah, they've already done. They do that numerous times. My favorite one is when Hillary Clinton with Benghazi. What difference at this point mm-hmm. does it make? Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, but uh, you did this. It seems like they like uh, their guy for doing that also is John Stewart in 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 the old like days. entertainment media. No, now even, even. now, yeah, yeah. like and uh, with COVID. Yeah. After it was like all the damage was done and everything, then eventually he was allowed, it seems, to go on there and then make jokes about how ineffective the masks yeah. were. What about like the that? Russian collusion thing? Have they ever like, they've admitted, right? Haven't they admitted it, that it's wrong? Yeah, we lied about it. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do about it? I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's the uh, the playbook, which I always heard it described as the Clinton playbook, but I think it's more broad than that, is uh, uh, deny, 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 deny. Oh, that's old news. That's what so. happens. That's why I just roll my eyes. At like, I mean, I appreciate Elon Musk, and I am always applauding truth coming out. But it's just like the damage yeah. is done. And yeah. Well, um, wait. What was it that you just said? You're talking about the. <laughs> Let me say it too late. Oh yeah. So I think that with John Stewart, that's his role now. Is that when after it's safe to say things like he could kind of help people to admit it and be like, oh, okay, yeah, let's laugh about that and then move on. Whereas before, when he was kind of, I'd say, more in the mix of it on Comedy Central, it was like to tell people how to think about things. So some something would come out, there would be some truth that was out there, and then he would be like, oh, this is your opinion about it, and, and joke about it in such a way that it's like to kind of frame it in their mind correctly before somebody else has the opportunity to. I remember, it. I think it was Scott Adams that was talking about how when they want to tell a really huge lie, they have like they're like a handful of people who are designated liars. Right? Yeah. You remember like, that? And, yeah. And so he mentions, I don't remember who else he mentioned, but like Adam Schiff right. is a designated liar. Because even all the other people who are also liars, they're not willing to tell that big of a lie because mm-hmm. it discredits themselves too much and stuff right. like that. Right. They'll tell all the little lies. But he'll he'll say anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> something matter. that's a, that's going to be discovered as a lie, like five minutes later. Yeah, he's the guy who it's they get to do it. Imminently untrue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's my question though: is uh, so what do you think about these boycotts? A, a what do you think about advertisers boycotting um, products or businesses or platforms or whatever? And then B, as a consumer, what do you think about like boycotting? companies for whatever reason in this case like boycotting disney because they're boycotting x well i think if companies are boycotting something when they would be making money that something else is going on because i think it goes back to the tiger doesn't change its stripes thing right so if there's something where they won't they're trying to use their power in order to uh, you know, push a certain message despite the fact that they would make money in a um, in an honest way, like something there. There's just something that we're not seeing. But I think if consumers do it, they're not using this huge arm, right? And they're and then it's like their own skin is in the game, and it it looks like a more honest endeavor. To the me. companies do it because of the social credit system. That's right. why they do it. They don't have BlackRock investments. Yeah, I mean they're like they've got something in mind. They don't. They're not doing it for principle. Yeah, they're doing it because they know that if they stay on the powers that be, what's it know, called? It's side. not called the social credit. Or what's it called? ESG. Yeah, what yeah, is it? Environmental, environmental social, social governance. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. So for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's like BlackRock is and like two other firms are the ones that manage like more finances in the world than the 
U.S.'s GDP. Part of the great reset. It's like thirty-eight it's trillion the new dollars. Credit or something. system. Yeah. They're it's so to much. And they use, and I think Larry Fink is the name of the guy that uh, who's created BlackRock. And what he wants is to control. He wants everyone to to think homogeneously. Essentially, you can look up in, um, interviews of him explaining this, right? That that's what he wants is is like this cohesive culture where everyone thinks the same. Sounds and like so robots. he just had to choose. Well, what is it that I want everyone to think? And for whatever reason. These are the the things that he wants them to think. So he wants them, you know, the climate change thing, all the gender stuff, all the all the woke stuff. Yeah, I will so say, the, yeah. I will say though that um, it seems that there's been like we're gaining ground on the ESG thing. I think that there's companies that are stay strong. backing away from it. And what's crazy about the Disney thing, um, boycotting X, is that. Um, it happens at a time where they just sent a letter to their, you know, investors or board of directors or whatever, um, like saying that the reason that we lost so much money is because the values in our products aren't lining up with the values of the consumers. And so it's like, then why put yourself out there on this, you know, battle? And I think I think what they're saying is that Elon Musk said something anti-Semitic, which is. I mean, it's it's so wild because you could point to something else and saying like, well, right here, he's like pro, you know, Israel. And he's like, you, this could be looked at being like anti-Palestinian, you know, like you, you can't like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's crazy to take like a complicated conflict and then be like, if you're on, you know, like where you could imagine you can see from both perspectives if you mm-hmm. listen long enough. And then for the powers that be to say. Well, if you say anything in favor of this side, then you're just a bad person, and right. then they can just do all the things that right. they're trying to do. Right? If, yeah, because if you ruin your business and ruin your life, if you try to describe what's going on on both sides, they just point to the one where they where they can uh, cancel you for. But right, and then they say that you're in favor of the bad things that that side is doing. Right. When you're just saying no, I can just understand why they decided to do these bad things. You know what's absolutely wild about it in this case is so. Uh, I don't even remember what he supposedly said that was anti-Semitic, but he has what he has done on X is he has like he basically will boot people off if they use the phrase "from the river to the sea," uh, Palestine will be free. So, which is like people take to be like um, genocide, yeah, against um, against. The state so of anything, Israel. He is being pro-Israel, right? In that in that instance, what's crazy about it is that there were just three um, presidents of universities that were dragged in front of Congress because on their campuses people were chanting "From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free," and they were and they were being grilled, and they're like, "Do you think that it is acceptable according to your honor code?" to advocate the genocide of people, and they were basically being like. It depends on the context. <laughs> like what? Like how? Could wow. it, how could it possibly? De- I don't know. It's just the craziest thing where Elon Musk is like kicking people off for saying this, and then being called anti-Semitic, and at the same time you have these like woke presidents that are saying it's okay to say those things, and it's like, well, aren't they anti-Semitic? Like who? It's so complicated that it just it always um, reminds me of the analogy of the ants in the jar yeah. right where you have the red ants and you have the black ants or whatever just two different types of ants that are aggressive normally 
and but you put them all in a jar and they'll all just make their own trails and ignore each other and do their own thing but then if someone comes and shakes up the jar then they all fight each other to the death yeah and how it's like how is it that there's suddenly like all of this fighting and and you don't i mean especially with like college students like what they even understand the conflict like i highly doubt that they would have already understood the conflict well obviously they're being handled right like they're being told what to think yeah and then they're just like ready to go right which i mean is i would it's a whole other thing to talk about um as far as like boycotting companies uh, as individuals i think that's our freedom it's our right and i think it's a good way to i mean i think it's as consumers as consumers i mean i think businesses are they need to stay out of politics yeah they just buy your you know sell sell your product and shut your mouth well and i think that normally businesses would like to stay out of politics yeah Yeah. but the way that they get dragged into it is that the government always has its its hands in in them uh in like all the yeah, they have access to the money that the businesses are bringing in through their hard work and ingenuity through regulations and taxes. I'll give you a perfect example. And then they example. tell them what to do, and they control yeah. them. I'll give you a perfect and example. And threaten them. In fact, yeah. there's two examples, um, if we want. So, just one. Do you guys remember um, <laughs> when uh, James Damore got fired from Google? Damore. Damore. Um, Is he the one that was like the? whistleblower or whatever that spoke out the about gulag it. t-shirts came out after him oh, yeah. he wasn't a whistleblower all he did is they had their internal forum at google where you know like big companies a lot of times have internal forums where they, they talk to each yeah. other because they want their employees uh-huh. to feel like they're you know cohesive with one another yeah uh, back to larry fink's you know idea which is probably really smart right if you want to have a successful business you want to have this you know your employees feel like at home and in the forum they were talking about women in the workplace and, you know, everyone, like most people on there were saying the things that everyone knows that they're supposed to say, which is it's unfair and women don't get equal pay and all that stuff, like all the feminist ideas. And then he just like presented a bunch of data just saying, uh, he got fired. yeah, I mean, he was just like, well, but there's all these like uh, pretty good studies that show that women prefer to work in other places. And what else, which, which other studies did you say? I'm trying to remember. It's been years now, Joe. Well, just like, you know, you talked a lot about just the, what they value, like as far as being like relationship oriented versus like object oriented and what sort of, yeah, just like what sort of jobs that they would enjoy more. And, but it's even so the jobs that they enjoy more are, uh, in, the jobs itself don't pay as much because yeah. there's fewer but it was, or there's more people willing to do that. But them, it's not correct? even as bad as that. It's like he went, they flew a bunch of people to like, like China of all places, like for some like conference. Right. And the topic of it was like all of this, like diversity inclusion stuff. And so he's like trying to be helpful. He's like, Oh, well, if that's a problem, let me solve it. And so he presented all this data and he was kind of like working on this. It was like an ongoing paper. So he had a Google Docs like thing. And he was like, well, knowing all these things, how can we change the jobs at Google to where it will attract more women? How, how can we make it so that they're, they're happier, happier in these roles and will stay more and, and all these things? Like he was trying to solve the pro- problem, like in a good faith effort to be like knowing these things about psychology, about the different sexes, what like. How can we fix that? That was his first 
first mistake right, right there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Admitting that there's two different yeah. sexes. Yeah, well, I, that wasn't as big of a thing two. back then. That was like <laughs> more than two years ago. So it Yeah, but the agenda as, was already set. Yeah. But so anyway, um, but so then he ended up getting fired because of like basically like like accusation being like, well, you're saying women aren't as good as guys because they don't prefer these tech jobs as much. And it's like, what? That's and like, he was a really high performing. He would always get their like award yeah. for being the highest performing yeah. coder or whatever it is that he did. And so, but here's where, here's what ties it together. Cause you were talking about regulation and stuff at that same time, Google was being sued from okay. the federal government. That's right. Um, well, it was a federal lawsuit. I'm not sure who brought the suit. Um, <laughs> That it was for their, uh, what do you call it, discriminatory hiring practices. And their evidence was that they had more men than women in these tech jobs and that they were making more money. And so you cannot be Google and say and try to defend yourself in court and say, no, 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 no. It's not our hiring practices. This is what we're doing and stuff. And then have this big story about James Damore blow and appearing that there's somebody at google that's like yeah girls don't even like tech jobs and they're not as smart or whatever and then <laughs> not get rid of them right and so that's that's how it plays out yeah. so nobody not many people knew about that lawsuit but that is what was going on in the background and it was the same thing with yale that they had a lawsuit about the same deal like uh you know their admission practices and diversity and whatever and then they um, somebody they they accepted somebody to come to their school, and then some racist stuff came out that he when he was a teenager that he wrote in a Google Doc, you know, or whatever. And then they they disaccepted him, like they kicked him out even before he started attending there. But it's like, right. well, you at the same time they had this federal lawsuit against them because of like this discriminatory thing. It's like, well, we can't have this other thing going on at the same time. Uh, but little did they know. The, the James Damore thing was going to turn into quite a bit more than that because then right afterwards he went on like the Jordan Peterson show and got interviewed by him and I think probably like Ben Shapiro and it's just like a bunch of other free speech advocates, probably uh, what's his name in Florida now? What's his name? Dave Rubin, you know, mm-hmm. and just like told them, uh, you know, just exactly what happened and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool. It turned into it. I don't know if you guys... The listeners have ever seen these t-shirts, but it's like a Google t-shirt, except it says Gulag. It know, has so their, that came from. Yeah. their colors and their like, right. icons. Well, it's getting more difficult to uh, cancel people. And that's the idea, like with decentralization, just like creating alternative avenues for people to earn money, get educated, whatever, get your own food. Like the answer is, is uh, you know, that. freedom, freedom, freedom's the answer. Yeah. Freedom is always the answer. Um, I think companies would do a lot better if they just came out strong early saying we just we're just here to sell our products. We don't care if we're selling we don't care who we're selling it to, where we're advertising, we don't get involved in those things. Our, we're not trying to control the we're world. Contro- we're yeah. just trying to offer a product that people legitimately want yeah. and then negotiate a fair price and that's it. Yeah. Dang, and you should put that on a template and send it to all the companies, right. you know, and say <laughs> just say this. Yeah. Well <laughs> and it and it's like even to say like, listen, our company does have an ethos of which I think comes through in the quality of our products. And we think that the best way to convince people that we disagree with 
is to provide them with a great product that, that maybe they'll look into it a little bit more and they'll decide to come around to the way that we think. You know, it's interesting how much evil comes into the world just from people trying to control the world to supposedly do good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, anyway. Oh, that's it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Shell is done.